0: Listening to the Vintage Church podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Are y'all as rowdy even though it's not Easter as you were on Easter? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if this is your first time at Vintage Church and you're wondering, is it like this every Sunday? Yep. Uh, it just is. Um, God is just doing amazing things and Easter was just an incredible time for our church and we're just glad that you're here. Go ahead and grab your Bibles or if uh, you have the Vintage app, there's a note section that you can follow along with what God has laid on my heart today and um, we're just going to dive right in. Uh, confession, okay? Uh, This is a series that God has put on my heart about 18 months ago. And I've been trying my best to talk God out of making me teach what I'm going to be teaching over the next four weeks. Um, Because it it ain't going to be fun. Uh, It's just not. It's going to be heavy, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be hard. Welcome to Vinny Church. Um, And the other thing, one of the other things that really has scared me as I prepared to teach this series is, maybe you don't understand kind of how preaching works, but whatever a preacher preaches on, the enemy messes with that preacher on that subject the entire time. Um, And so, like, you have to be, you almost, you have to be careful what you preach. Because when you, whatever, and it never fails. And you know what, just when I think, all right, God, thank you for letting me teach on a subject that I feel like maybe, in my life, I, I've started to master. I've started to get it right. God reveals, like, no, you're just as ridiculously stubborn as you used to be. And maybe you haven't found victory over that like, like you thought you did. And over the next few weeks, in a series we're calling Toxic, we're gonna be ta- I'm going to be talking about the toxic emotions that continue to hijack our lives. And maybe, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you're not an emotional person. Maybe you're a robot. And maybe you never have moments when your emotions get the best of you. And so you can take the next four weeks off, which means this room should be full for the next four weeks. <laughs> like last week we did this comeback. We, we talked about a comeback and, and how it wasn't just about Jesus' comeback. It was about yours. But were there are pe- probably people in the room, like most of us, that your comeback has already had a setback? It's been seven days. Like last Sunday, like, I'm coming back, Jesus. And then Monday came, like, oh, crap, I'm not coming back. (laughs) Because maybe, even maybe by the end of Easter Sunday, your comeback had a setback. Because you had to go to lunch with your family. (laughs) And nothing will create an emotional setback like having to deal with your family for about three hours. Preach. Preach, come on. Not my family though, my family's awesome. <laughs> but I find these moments that my emotions just hijack my life. And they almost come like a tidal wave. You just ever like, you, you go to bed feeling fine and you wake up feeling terrible. Like all you were doing was sleeping. But you just wake up, like you go to bed, everything's good, and maybe you had a great day. And, 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 and like last week, man, Sunday was awesome. Like we had over almost 1,400 people show up between our three services. We had 56 people make a decision to come back to Jesus. It was, it was awesome. But can, can I be honest with you, some reason I woke up Monday feeling like crap. And I can't even explain why. There's some people look at me like I'm crazy. Yes, I'm as messed up as you are. Remember that. Come on, anybody with me? Say amen. Like, you ever just feel that way? Thank you. Like, all of a sudden, like, you, you don't really know why. Or, like, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, these, these emotions just kind of flood back. And yeah, maybe it's just because you see something or you, you hear a song or, you, or, or something just reminds you of something of your past. And it triggers these emotions in you that you thought you had dealt with, that you thought you had buried, that you had thought you had overcome. And then all of a sudden... You have the wrong conversation, or something just happens that triggers a memory. You hear End of the Road by voice of Men, and it just takes you back <laughs> to a different time in your life, and all of a sudden, like, these emotions just kind of crash over your spirit like a tidal wave and they they, they cripple you, and they attempt to hijack your life, and like, how are we going to, how do we deal with that, because as you, as you read in scripture, like, it's very clear, if you never read, read through the New Testament, like, like, we don't get, if we follow Jesus, we don't get to, and we don't have to be ruled by our emotions, like, what you're feeling, I get that you're feeling that. I'm not saying you can control how you feel, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can control how your feelings affect you. Right. It's true. It's in Scripture. Like, like, Because here's the good news. Like If you've accepted Jesus, the Bible promises us the same spirit, that same power that brought Jesus out of the grave is the same spirit that dwells in you. So as weak and as broken as you feel, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. And he can be in charge. Come on, somebody. He can be in charge. He can be the one that rules you. And scripture basically, if you're a believer, like, like he can be in charge all the time. But what happens is the Holy Spirit's in the driver's seat. But then all of a sudden, anger attempts to heartjack you. Or bitterness or depression or lust attempts to kind of heartjack your life. And we're going to come out of this series and we're not going to let that happen anymore. Because there are some things that we can learn from Scripture God's Word has given us tools, and His Spirit is big enough that you don't have to be. And, and you know, I, st- I, di- I didn't want to teach this series, because I've talked about this vaguely before, but we, I don't know that I've addressed these specific emotions, maybe ever, maybe in a really, really long time. And what i found is, you know what, these, these four things... You know, I didn't didn't think that I struggled with them, but can I just admit, as I have prepared, God has just begun to reveal things to me that, like, I didn't even know about myself, and that isn't fun. So all these four that I'm going to teach on it, can I just go ahead and say, I struggle with all four of them. And so I'm learning how to deal with these as I'm teaching us how to deal with these. Is that okay with everybody? You want to go to a church with a perfect pastor You're in the wrong spot You need to go somewhere else next Sunday But these things I struggle with And even Even today the topic I'm uncomfortable talking with Because I'm not good at controlling it sometimes But this whole series is kind of rooted in this verse If you're looking for a theme verse for, for this series It's Proverbs 25:28. Proverbs 25:28. It says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Do you understand the the concept of that verse? Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. In other words, the one who does not have control over his emotions is vulnerable. Like you're opening yourself up to really, really bad things happening in your life if you don't learn to get control over your emotions. You're like this city whose walls are in rum- And You gotta understand, the readers of this would've made, it would've under- they would've understood it a lot better than we do. Because a city's protection, it was fortified by its walls. Like all major cities in biblical times, they built walls around this city, and that was like their first line of defense. That kept other invaders from coming in. That was their first line of defense protecting who they were. And the scripture is saying here that like those of, like, those of us who don't get control over our emotions, we're like this city whose walls have been trampled, and like what is able to come in and attack and get the most of us is pretty much anything. And so, are, are we ready to attack? And see, here's the thing. Like, you got this, maybe, unlike any other series, like you're going to have to be really honest with you. And you know what I found is, like, we, being honest with ourselves is the most difficult person for us to be honest with. Amen. Like, being really honest about ourselves is, is really, but you cannot get to where you want to go if you can't be realistic about where you are. And even the subject today, I don't, I don't think that, I, that this emotion really, I, I, I've had moments and seasons in my life when this emotion has been really, really bad. But sometimes these emotions are happening in your life, and like it takes something drastic for you even to realize what's happening. And it happened to me not too long ago. Um, we're riding down the road, me and my son Aiden, he's nine years old. He's just like me. Between the way he looks and the way he acts, I could never deny the boy. And all of a sudden like we're we're going somewhere riding somewhere and there's a person that's really slow in front of me. And before I can say anything, my son, my sweet little boy yells out, "Get out of the way, you moron!" And I look over and I'm thinking, "Where did you learn that?" His mama But I look at him and he, you know what he looks at me and says, What? You say it all the time. <laughs> you ever had those moments? <laughs> Anger. We need no more than just riding the car with you to figure out if you have it. <laughs> Anger. Can we just address that today? Because it's an emotion. You, you may not struggle with any of the rest of these. But can I, no matter how sweet you are, no matter how nice a person you are, we all at some point in our lives struggle with anger. And you know what I'm learning more and more is, is, is every now and then I make the mistake of turning on the news. As a culture, maybe we're as angry as we've ever been. Like, angry at everything, angry at each other, and, and every little difference just creates just this, this, this tension among, like, I don't know that we've ever been as angry as a culture and as a generation as we are right now. And it just, it just continues to spike up. And one of the things I think that is creating more and more anger is our communication is awful among each other. Because we use stupid things like social media to have debates. where there's no room for real dialogue and conversation. And I'm worried about what it's going to happen. And you know what? I've watched anger do really, I've watched anger destroy homes. I've watched anger destroy marriages. I've watched anger destroy churches. And, and we're all vulnerable to it. And maybe of all the emotions that we're going to discuss, Scripture probably addresses this one as much as any. And we see these warnings about anger, like Proverbs 29, 22. Notice, just go through and, and read how many Proverbs, just this wisdom literature, how many of them address the issue of anger? An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Like the danger of anger. Or how about Proverbs 15 18? A hot tempered person stirs up conflict. But the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Like we got we gotta deal with this issue, man. We gotta deal with this issue of angry, of being angry. And here's what the thing is like, I think there's people sitting in the room, like, maybe even me talking about anger, you getting angry. I didn't come church here about this. Had to park all the way out there. Music's too daggum loud. Like it's crazy, man. Like it doesn't take much to get us angry, does it, man? They didn't put my fries in the bag. Getting personal, ain't it? But here's, here's what we need to know. Like, anger and all these things are natural emotions. And can I even say, there's times when you have a legitimate reason to be angry. Come on, Amen? Like, they're t- like, like, anger is, you know, a lot of these emotions, they're natural. And sometimes we can't, we can't help the way we feel all the time. I get that. And see, and like, I'm, I'm not here today, or I'm not all the series, I'm not going to tell you, stop feeling like that. Because you're like, no, no. <laughs> I've actually even, like, I, I read a study that basically, like, the, the, the chemical reaction that happens within your brain is actually involuntary. That there are things that happen, and it triggers, triggers a chemical reaction in your brain where you actually feel like physically become angry. You, y'all remember the old show, Incredible Hulk? Yes. There's times when you hulk out. <laughs> remember, like, the Hulk would have this moment like, where he would be hurt or whatever, and like you hear that, beep, that music start to play, and his eyes would get big, go all green. And they say, you know, he's ripping his clothes off. That man went through some clothes. Come on. I mean, dear Lord, what do he spend on his wardrobe? Shredding clothes every day. Uh, did you ever wonder that? Like, do you, you go to Goodwill every single day? Like, you have this moment when you kind of just hulk out. But I read a study that says that chemical reaction in your brain physically only takes 90 seconds to dissipate. Like when that, when that thing happens, whatever it is, that thing that you've seen, that conversation that you had, that moment that triggered that anger, which, which could very well be justified. Somebody did something, something happened. I mean, it's Chick-fil-A, for goodness sake. They shouldn't forget anything. My pleasure, nothing. Give me my food. <laughs> like that. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> that. That chemical reaction, y'all you know, getting just kind of, um, Matt gets really mad at the, the drive thru. Huh? <laughs> it literally only lasts 90 seconds. It takes 90 seconds for that chemical reaction that's literally happened, that physical reaction happening here, to go. So if you stay angry after that 90 seconds, it's not involuntary, it's a choice. Getting angry is involuntary at times, staying angry is a choice. And the problem is most of us are choosing to stay angry when we don't have to. See, remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter four? In your anger, do not sin. In other words, he doesn't say don't get angry. Like Paul knew as as much as anybody, like getting angry is gonna happen. But like number one, in your anger, when you get angry, getting, becoming angry, sometimes it's involuntary. Staying angry is a choice. Acting in anger is dangerous. He says, In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You know what I think? I used to think Paul meant by that. Can I just? I think Paul, when I used to read that, I thought it meant that, like, when you get angry, you got to go and resolve the issue that has made you angry before you go to bed. Anybody else? But I don't think that's what Paul's saying. I'm saying what he's saying is, get angry, but in your angry, don't, don't sin. And you know what? Before you go to bed, get over it. Amen. Now, we don't like that. We're like, no, before I go to bed, she's got to apologize. <laughs> that's what Paul means, woman. You got something you want to say? But I don't think that's what Paul's saying. He said, and you're angry, do not sin. And you know what? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, before the sun goes down, find a way to let it go. It's not that the issue is fixed. It's not, he doesn't say, I don't think he's saying, you know, find a way, re- let go of the, like it's not justified. He's saying, you know what? But before you go to bed, before you, before you go to bed, you've got to find a way. Because this is what we're going to learn for the end of the day. Because really, circumstances and people aren't going to be how you deal with getting rid of your anger is something that God is gonna to have to work out in your heart the resolution to your anger is found in God and see that's the reason why most of us are are, are angry is because we're waiting for the situation to be resolved we're waiting for the apology we're waiting for the circumstances to change and when they do I'll stop being mad but here's the thing there's some things that you're mad about that are never gonna change i'm preaching today this is fun do not let the but but here's so if anger is a natural issue there's things there's two things i want, want us to understand there's, there's different types of anger there's what i'll call i think righteous anger i know that's a really big churchy word there's times when when like we are righteously angry we have a, a right to be angry we have a right to be upset you know how i know this jesus got angry Jesus got angry. Like if if just being angry was sinful or just being angry was something that we could avoid, Jesus would have done it but there's times when we see Jesus actually get angry and and the most familiar one you're probably with is when Jesus goes in and they've basically turned the temple the house of God into a place that's a a, a den of thieves and they're just they're just becoming more of a hindrance to people coming to God than a step stepping-stool to God And, and Jesus goes in and they have these tables laid out where they were selling all these things and they were basically turning the temple into a marketplace and Jesus flips the table over I like table flipping Jesus like, it feels more like me, you know what I mean? Like, I can, I can live in love like him. <laughs> but th- there's other places, too. Like, there's, there's this one in, in Mark chapter 3. Look at Mark chapter 3, start with verse 1. It says, another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Verse 3. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. So here's Jesus, and he's in the temple. And there's a man there with a the shriveled hand. And it's the Sabbath. And the super, super, super uber religious people were trying their best to catch Jesus doing something wrong so they could bring an accusation before him so that he could be arrested. And Jesus asked this man to stand up with his shriveled hand. Verse 4 Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He said, what's better? To do good or do evil? To save or to kill? Like, wh- which, which, is, which is more lawful? Like, y'all are sitting here and they're, they're like, yeah, well, if he heals him, we got him. And then look at what happens in verse 5. He looked around them in what? In anger deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus says he looked at them in anger. Because here is a man in need. Here is a man who Jesus has the power to do something about. Here is a man for too long has been suffered. And you got to understand the culture, too. They believed if you had any type of infirmity, it was because you were evil and you were sinful. And they looked down on you as less than. So if you had some type of physical deformity, they believed, oh, you must have sinned or your parents must have sinned. Like, you don't even deserve to be in the temple. You're not worthy. You're, not, you're unholy. You're, you're blemished. So it wasn't just the physical deformity that this man had to struggle with. He had to struggle with the emotional effects of being considered an outcast in his culture. And here this man is sitting there, and he would have been sitting by himself. Nobody would have been sitting around him. Nobody would have, been, nobody would have welcomed him. They wouldn't have had a host team that said, we're glad you're here. All alone. And all these people can think about Is how they can trap Jesus and not the beauty of the miracle that's about to happen. And you know what Jesus' response is? He's mad. A righteous anger. And I think there's times, people of God, that we need to have a righteous anger. And can I say, there's been times when we have had an unrighteous anger and tried to paint it as righteous. Because, see, I think the Pharisees, they were angry. And they believed that they had a righteous anger. They, were, they felt they were righteously angry that Jesus would dare heal somebody on the Sabbath. See, this is the danger with righteous anger. There is a righteous anger, but we've got to make sure the things that we get actually angry about are really rooted in Scripture and are justifiably reasons for us to be angry and not cultural ones that we like to attach to or political ones we like to attach to. Because there's a righteous anger. And there's, let me give you three things that kind of result of righteous. Righteous anger, it defines injustice. Righteous anger would be what we define when we define injustice. Here's a moment where, like, it's this man is unjustly being outcast because of the way he looks and the way he appears, and these people have shunned him, and Jesus will not settle for that. Righteous anger says what is happening here is not right. And there's a time we need to do that. And that comes from being so closely, intimately connected to God that you have the discernment to be able to see the injustice. And you know, can I be honest, I hesitated to even use this word. Because I know you hear the word, you just, some people are just hearing the word justice. And there's all kinds of things that are now being ways that we twist that word in our culture. But people who follow Jesus are always going to be people who champion justice. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Because I know you can, you can politicize that and turn it in all kinds of ways. But Jesus always fought for those people. Because see, a righteous anger always defends the weak. In righteous anger, Jesus stood up for a man who couldn't stand up for himself. I heard people growing up saying this in church. Well, God helps those who help themselves. It's the dumbest statement I ever heard in my life. God helps those who cannot help themselves. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Now, I believe in hard work, and I believe in doing what we need to do. I don't, don't get me wrong. Like, there's things that we can do, and there's things that we need to do in order to make things happen in our lives, and we don't just to get sit, sit back and hope things fall out of the sky. But this somehow thing, like, like, Jesus defends those who can't defend themselves. Here is a... Look at how many times in Scripture people were just trampled on and overlooked. And like, people... A man sitting by the pool of Bethesda and has no way to get him in. A man with a shriveled hand, and for years who dealt with it. A man whose eyes have been blind since birth... There was nothing he could do to help himself. See, a righteous anger will will never be self-promoting. A righteous anger never tries to advance your position in life. It's defending those who can't defend themselves. Are you with me? Come on, say amen. I need to to know you're you're, you're getting what I'm saying. A righteous anger always defeats evil. See, you see Jesus display a righteous anger. And it's always in a place where he's pointing out an injustice that's happening in the culture in which he lived. He's defending the weak. He is offending through that, that anger people who could not help themselves. And the whole point is to defeat the evil that Satan is trying to work in this world. A righteous anger. And I would love to say that's most of my anger, but it's not. Can I say probably... 99.9% of the times I've been angry in my life has not been righteous anger. It has been an unrighteous anger. It has been rooted in selfishness. It has been rooted in a way that's dangerous. And I want to point out an example of that because the one person who gets angry in Scripture in an unrighteous way that I most relate to is a guy named Jonah. Jonah. Y'all have heard of him, Jonah in the well? Some people think like, that story ain't even real. Ain't no way a man could live in the belly of a whale for three days. I figured God created a whale and God created Jonah. If he wanted to set up a little mobile home inside his belly, he could do it. <laughs> but if you don't know the story, remember Jonah, God had came to Jonah and said, Go speak to this place called Nineveh. Go tell them to repent or they're going to face destruction. And you know Jonah, he runs, he ends up going to Tarshish, which is the opposite direction, and, and then he finally surrenders after he gets swallowed up by the whale and spit up on a beach, and, and he goes and he preaches the word to the city of Nineveh, and they all respond, and they all repent, and God doesn't bring calamity on the city, and you would think as a preacher, you'd be like, woohoo, I'd love to preach every Sunday, and, and the entire room respond, it don't happen. Maybe today you can feel convicted and do that. And God saved him. And look how Jonah responds. Jonah, chapter 4. says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to, this is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. That seems like a really weird reason to be mad. God, I'm mad because I know you're good. Then look what he says. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And then look what happens, verse four. But the Lord replied, "Is there a right for you to be angry? You ever had it felt like God asked you that? Like really, dude? Do you have any right to be angry right now? Like seriously?" You go and you preach the word, and people respond, and you're mad. And you know what? Sometimes I think I think Jonah doesn't even know at first doesn't even know why he feels. Really mad? Like, like all these cool things happen on Easter Sunday, and you wake up on Monday depressed? Like, do you have a right to be that feeling this way? Verse 5. So Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. So I'm, ma- I'm mad that these thousands and hundreds of thousands of people now aren't going to die a fiery death, but I'm happy about a plant that's putting shade over my head. Keeping the sun from hitting my bald spot. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And again, he said, It would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah is dramatic. He's just like us. But God said to Jonah, once again... Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is. And I'm so angry I wish I was dead. I just imagine him throwing a tantrum. I know he's a grown man, but grown men throw tantrums too. Come on. I actually heard some of the guys actually aiming that. That was awesome. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Like, the, Jonah is angry, and this is a beautiful example of the unrighteous angry that we have, anger that we have sometimes. Angry because, basically, things are threatening his position in life. See, Nineveh I'm Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, Assyria was an enemy to Jerusalem, and so therefore they would have been at war with each other, they had fought over things, they had just been all this tension, and so basically the reason why Jonah didn't want to go preach the word to the Assyrians is because he didn't want them, he thought they should be punished. It goes back to a deeper rooted issue, a deeper rooted prejudice that he had in his heart toward that group of people, and when God actually does something kind for them, he's mad because he didn't like that group of people. And And what I say is often anger is a symptom of a deeper-rooted source in our hearts. And what we do as a culture is often we spend too much time trying to treat the symptoms instead of addressing the source of the real issue and problem. So it's not about the fact that that God saved these people. It was his opinion about these people that God saved that made him angry. It was a deeper-rooted symptom. You see, just like righteous anger has has some things that you need to know, there's unrighteous anger has some things you need to know. Number one, it it distorts perspective. When you are unrighteously angry, it distorts your perspective. Like, do you see how Jonah's perspective was distorted? Like, he couldn't see that these were people who God loved and who God was trying to save. His, his perp- perspective is so distorted, he gets more angry about a plant than thousands of people. And see, when we get unrighteously angry, it distorts our perspective, and we can only see ourselves, and we can only see how, how things impact us, and we get really closed and narrow-minded and can't see the bigger picture. There's a reason why they call it blind rage. And I know none of y'all have ever had that moment, but I have. Where you just, like, have you ever had a mo- I've had i a- I'm not going to tell that story because y'all won't come back. <laughs> have you ever had a moment where, like, you even, you kind of lost time? Like, you've never had a moment where all of a sudden minutes passed and you kind of snapped to and you had your hands around somebody's throat? Because I have. Studying for ministry in college. But I'm supposed to be an example to other people. And my anger got the best of me. And the next thing you know, three guys are having to pull me off another individual. Pastor's gangster. Yes, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Like it distorts your perspective. Unrighteous anger, it disregards fairness. It's no longer about what's fair. Jonah said, It's not fair you took my plant. It's not fair you saved all those people. It clouds what real fairness is supposed to be and what it looks like. And when that happens an unrighteous anger, it destroys unity. It destroys our ability to be able to coexist and to get along and to work things out as a faith community and to be able to fix the issues that are breaking us from the inside out. An unrighteous anger. I'd love to say that most of my anger issues have been righteous, but I can't. And I've had to learn how to deal with it. So that's the question is, all right, how do we deal with this thing called anger? I think James gives us some good insight. James chapter 1 verse 20 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. What would happen if we were quick to listen? If we were more willing to listen? Because most of the time when I'm angry and you're talking, I'm thinking, I wish you'd shut up so I can talk. I wish you'd be quiet so I can tell you how wrong you are. I don't have a clue what you just said, but I've got in my mind my comeback already. reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth, you should listen twice as much as you talk. That's a preacher saying that. (laughs) Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Can I bring it into our quote? Or slow to text. Or slow to post. (laughs) And slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, you got that moment, that chemical reaction happens. You know why I think? I think already, even before there was science, God knew what we needed to hear. If you'll slow down and let that initial reaction maybe dissolve and pass just a little bit and not react to that 90-second <laughs> chemical reaction that's in your brain, then maybe we won't have to live with a lot of regrets that we have because we reacted in anger and we followed the wisdom and advice of Scripture to be more quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And then he hits us really in the gut in chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? I love how James asks a question and then gives us an answer. What causes all this anger and strife among you? Don't they really come from your desires that battle within you? In other words, we'd love to say, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Them? Those idiots over there? It's them? And he quickly says, isn't it, if you're really honest, isn't it about something that's going on inside of you? If you're really fair, if you really see this, if you really open up your spirit and do some real, don't you realize that like really, it's not, you can point all the fingers you want to, and maybe, maybe they are idiots. Maybe it is frustrating. But really when you get down to it, isn't it, isn't it an internal thing? It's so, see, you desire but you don't have. So you kill. Man, I ain't never killed nobody. But you've killed a relationship. Right. You've burned a bridge. Right. You've murdered a career. You covet. But you cannot get what you want. So that's why you quarrel and fight. But see, here's the real problem. You don't have because you do not ask God. See, the real problem is you're trying to satisfy the things, the brokenness, the holes in your heart by looking to other things and other people when really, when only God can be your source of contentment. And most of the time, anger is a result of a lack of contentment in who you are in Christ and what God is doing and is doing in your life. And you don't have because you don't ask God and you're searching for it in the wrong spot. And that's why you're mad. So it's anger an issue. You struggle with it. It's a hard message for me to preach because I've lost my temper on my wife and my kids this week. And it's not about them. It's about me. I know God can heal it, and I know he can heal it in you too. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Who's got the courage to say, I struggle with this? On some level, there's some people in the room, like your anger is at a dangerous level to the point where You're becoming somebody that you didn't want to be. And you know what? It's about to ruin your marriage or your career or your life. And it's time to allow God to start bringing some healing to confess it and to deal with it. There's others of us in the room that, you know what? It's not that it's something that's raging out of control all the time, but it rears its head far more often than it should. Let me just be honest. Confess it. Allow God to bring some healing into your life. To give you the strength to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Allow Him to do what only He can do. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us and we're going to worship. Would you just let this song minister to your heart and speak to you today? Father, right now, use this time. To teach us what we need to be taught on an individual, on a personal level, about this issue of anger. And help us, God, to allow you and to do what only you can do in our spirits. To keep us from falling victim to this emotion. So that we overcome it and we deal with it in a way that's healthy and positive. And God, help us to see you clearly today and hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.